1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just excited for our team to get the win. Obviously, uh, what a team effort. I mean, our defense played outstanding tonight. Special teams basically set up a score with Johnny Penningham down there, did a great job on field goals. And, um, you know, we were good enough on offense to score some points and, and uh, come away with the win. Just happy to be moving on. I think, it, I think it means a lot more to, I mean, you guys and all that. I mean, I just want to be a part of this team and help us win. So um, I trust in myself, trust in my abilities, trust in my teammates. Uh, go out there and play and, and let the chips fall where they may. They,
2: they played really well overall, I think. But, um, you know, what they did in the first half, I think they held them to 40 yards. You know, I think it was one of the best performances in playoff history in the first, um, you know, being able to hold a really explosive offense like that, to be able to get a defensive touchdown, a couple turnovers. Just so pleased with those guys. And got a great challenge going against Tom Brady next week.
3: Michael, I'm feeling like B-Rabbit today. All right been like b rabbit going up against Papa Doc at the end of eight mile which is to say Michael, you ain't an MC I know everything you about to say against me, okay when it comes to the Rams beating the brakes off the Cardinals last night let's see it was just the Cardinals who you told me not to trust a long time ago. It was the untrustworthy Cardinals who have been falling apart for the last month or so. Stafford didn't do much. It was the running game and the defense. The Rams only got to the same point as in the divisional round that Jaref got Goff got them last year. Uh, let me see what else. Oh, and and they didn't trade two ones and a three. For Matthew Stafford. They didn't trade draft picks for Von Miller. They didn't sign Odell Beckham just to get to the divisional round. So Miss you with all the praise for the LA Rams, right? Go ahead. <laughs> tell these people something. They don't know about the okay. Rams. Tell Tell these okay. people something. They don't know about me. Go ahead, Michael. I know. I know what you're coming with today. Go discredit the Rams victory last night, right? No, no, you know,
4: actually, I was going to have this for somebody else. But since you brought it up, I might as well bring it up to you. <laughs> okay, you got to know your audience. You got to know your audience. You got to know the sport. So I, I really was going to have this for a different group of people, but I might as well just uh, you could be my test kitchen right now. I'll well, try wait, this but who was the group? You.
3: Now? I'm curious. Who was the group? What was the original intended group? Is like a speech like a church group what Western was New York. Western New York. Uh, Western oh, you New York. What are you still on that? Or you going on Buffalo radio or something? When are you Syracuse, talking? When are you addressing Syracuse, Western Syracuse,
4: New York? Rochester?
3: Oh God, Buffalo.
4: Okay, I, I'll Park. talk
3: you out of it later. Okay, sure, but sure. No, no. Use me but, as your no, no. As your well, test.
4: but but no, no. But I'm just saying. Look, Mike, uh, when you talk about this the, the sports talk game, this sports it's sports talk, it's sports debate, it's it's opinion. So. You can't, it would be like going on Twitter and saying, well, what kind of thoughtful dialogue did you have? You made your points and the other party made their points and then you all agreed to disagree. No, it's not built for that. Sports talk is not built for, well, you said this. You were were accurate, you were inaccurate. No, it's not built for that. It's just, you take a snapshot of how you feel at the time and as information changes, you change your information. So at the time when I saw the trade based on what I saw Matthew Stafford doing Detroit based on the and three that he had hanging around him. I said Matthew Stafford was not a good fit for the Rams when I saw the Rams at the beginning of the season or midway through the season underachieving. I said this, this group is a bunch of lots of sizzle no steak lots of Hollywood like too much Hollywood too much Rodeo drive. Not enough Baldwin Hills just because you are a character
3: doesn't mean that you have character. Yeah, I got you all that
4: all that all that. Then they change the game. They change the script. They're different. Now they're playing different football. They are reaching. They're making their achievables. They're reaching their achievables. They're they're living their best life. They are playing to their resume. They look great. They're star studded roster. They look like a star studded team what they are on paper and what they are on the field matches up as as the prophet who we celebrated yesterday said just do what you say you go do on paper. Just say what you just be what you what you say you are on paper. And that's what the Rams up. So the Rams. So are you
3: are so living, are you so you ain't see that coming eight mile wait, ain't no, ain't no, that wait, coming? wait, wait, no. Okay, so I know you're not trying to you try to educate me on sports talk. I'm not trying. To, so uh, I know uh, I know yeah, I know all the tricks. I know all the tricks. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, tricks. yeah, yeah and yeah. one of the oldest tricks me. in the book is to blame the individual the team or the entity for underperforming and therefore inspiring your awful takes. So it sounds it's like what you're saying thing. is we're I said what I said about the, Rams, but it sounds like what you're saying though. If I maybe I'm not hearing you right, is that you? I go I'm by saying, what I, I say I, I say it the way so, I see it. So you I were call wrong it because like the Rams gave you no choice but to be wrong. You were wrong because Matthew Stafford was, was only three. That about? wasn't your fault. You were wrong about wrong the Rams about? because they were underachieving, and that wasn't your fault. You, you just point. said you what you had. Point. You said. I'm hearing I'm, I'm, you I'm hearing me. you. I'm listening. No, you I'm listening it. and I'm There hearing is no you. wrong I, I can I can, no wrong I can hear Jimmy I can hear Jimmy. I'm no, hearing you can. everything you're
5: saying. There's yes,
3: no I such can. thing
4: as being wrong in sports <laughs> talk. There's no such thing as being wrong. There's no wrong yeah, if you, there's no if right. You, there's no wrong if you,
3: if you, there's no there's right no or wrong. wrong, there's only opinion. Secret of my not, success, nineteen eighty six. One of my favorites, I saw I saw that movie. When you're talking about
4: opinion, yes, I'm not sitting here I'm not the beat writer for the L.A. Times. Oh that person can oh be God. wrong. That person oh can God. be wrong. <laughs> you, you, you get the quote when you're misquoting somebody. This. When you're doing that, I am a debater. I am
3: an opinionist.
4: I'm just giving my opinion on what I see. So tell me what was wrong about but what, if what your I saw. opinion is crappy? Well, okay. You
3: know, you didn't like it. You opinion. didn't state it. What was wrong? You didn't about state it? it. But you didn't state it like an opinion, Michael. You literally. What was wrong about it. What did read I say? me? You made it. I'll tell you exactly what you said. You read it. You made it about me and about my judgment of character Come on. and how I'm always okay. attracted to so people sensitive. and things that sensitive? lacked substance because now you wrote you. off the Rams. Now I'm going to blame you. You wrote off I'm the gonna blame Rams you. and you said, I'm going to blame you for being sensitive that they were fraudulent. I and now fun. that they've actually won a playoff game. Look, and I, just, I thought I, you look, were you, sh- you should have used the points I gave you. You should have used the points I gave you because this I is even weaker. So now you're going to come back and say, oh, well, at the time, you know, I was yeah, right. at the time, right. And now I'm still right because. At the time, I, it wasn't right. You ever heard of the word accountability? I'm not looking, see, Mike, you're, you're looking for. Are,
4: are, are you defending the I'm looking the for accountability. Are you I'm looking, are you for, looking accountability. for You're not going to get accountability. I believe, I believe in, for accountability. Me in this space. Clearly. No. Clearly. I'm not doing it clearly. I'm not doing it. It's not built for that. that. You made, you made that, that apparent. Okay, so I, I'm not you're not you're not on a degree program. You're not getting something. This is you're sharing your opinion. So I don't I don't think anything that you say to me is absolute. I don't think anything that you say to me is something that I'm going to hold you to forever and ever. Amen. No, <laughs> Okay. I don't look at it that okay. way. I no, didn't know that. No. I didn't know that you did either. Oh, okay.
3: Gotcha. Okay. So tell me. So, but once again, no, so here's the thing. No, I'm going to don't ever tell me what bring I, what up did the I bucks I, or Kevin Durant shoe size again, because I think what our loyal listeners and viewers realize from this conversation that we're having right now is that when convenient, Michael Holly wants to move the goalposts and Michael Holly wants right. to make this all fun yeah. and games when it's convenient. But if the yeah. Rams would a loss last night. If the yes. Rams would have lost last night, you had no, some no. takes saved in drafts, I, even no, against I the Cardinals it. that Michael I'll yesterday. I called it the BFA Bowl I, yesterday. I called it the, the brother from another bowl. I don't know and I, you make it. You didn't know why you am
4: making it something. No, but, I, but I it
3: why. was because it was two, but it was two teams that we probably spent so much time. Disagreeing over their trustworthiness. That's why I called it the brother from another bowl. And really, no matter what happened, we couldn't lose because like, one of those two teams was going to be left looking in the mirror. If like, the Rams had choked last night, Bruh, you are not gonna sit up here and tell me that you wouldn't have run back all the times that that I've caked up for Matthew Stafford. You weren't gonna remind him that Jared Goff got him to the Super Bowl. Michael, you act like I ain't been sitting here enduring this shit for the last two years. I know you, dude. I remember what you say when you don't remember it. So you don't get to come here today and say that it was the Rams' fault and that this is just fun and games and you didn't work really serious. You certainly sounded serious. You certainly hey, sounded listen. serious when you when listen you talk to about how the Rams were frauds.
4: See, I can't you, believe you're going you going right back now. to you're going back
3: two years.
4: All you had to all you have to do. See going back too long. You got to keep up as I move the goalposts because the goalposts are there for me to move around. I, I thought this is this is all optional. This is all a theoretical board. I move it around as as uh, as situations change and as I need things in my life. So two weeks ago. I told you that not only am I picking the Rams to beat the Cardinals, I said if the Rams beat the if, if they play the Buccaneers, I'm picking the Rams over the Buccaneers. I told you that. You're going back too far. You're going back to the beginning of the season. I just told you last. I think it was last week. I said the Rams so you want immunity. match up really well
3: okay. with the So Bucs. you want immunity? All right. Okay.
4: All I just right. know. Right. I just. Right. I just. No. I want to. Okay. I want to move the board uh, so it's convenient for me. The Rams are working for me. They were working for me. Okay. Like I said I was not rooting against them. Remember that we used to do that on. Uh, we were playing oh, a uh, college football game.
3: Eh, eh, well, oh, yeah, really Col- college, college. Wait, wait. Yeah, I yeah. remember this. So, yeah. Yeah.
4: So like, hey, that team right now, if you beat that that team wins that team's working for me yeah. right
3: now. But it was man too. My but it was man too. Because when yeah. you make a trade and the more like for a draft pick and the more somebody was losing, oh yeah, they're working for me right now. They're, and they're losing and my draft pick is improving. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So
4: so oh. the Rams, the Rams were working for me last night. I was not rooting against them. I was rooting for Matthew Stafford. Game ball to him. I was rooting for Odell Beckham Jr., who I also trashed while he was in Cleveland. Game ball for him. And you trusted him when yes, they signed yes, him. Yes, you and when about they signed that. him, you, you were telling me how yes. I, 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 didn't a,
3: I didn't have a chance to get he to him I was getting there. I was getting there. He won't be a difference, he be a difference said, maker, he won't, he won't matter. Maker. I, I, thank you all of these things I'm sorry babe. I'm old school I'm from a day see Michael you don't know about this you new kids y'all like to have y'all twitter fingers and y'all like to talk on the internet and y'all like to throw stones and hide your hands I come from a day Michael Holly. you may not I come from a day where you wrote a column one day and you showed up the next day okay I come from a time wh- a, 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 a by- time for? of accountability okay the house of days the day? of accountability day? okay Just to just let people know hey I'm here I'm not just saying something okay. from the comfort of a press What's box. Up? I'm here. If I'm I got here. an opinion, I could back it up. You can step to me if you got a problem with it, you can speak on it. So when you told me that Odell Beckham was the problem in Cleveland, excuse me, Odell Beckham and his dad were the problem in Cleveland. When you told me that the Rams were just adding another shiny toy to eventually fall apart, okay, I'm sorry if I remembered those things and thought that you were actually bringing some thought to that take, so I took you seriously, not knowing that you were going to just do a 180 when convenient. It's disposable. It's
5: disposable. Okay.
4: Listen,
3: oh, I, know, oh, okay. you, you, All right. I know okay. you like
4: I know you like fast food. You like fast food, right? I know anymore. Not anymore. like Not anymore. You like your t- not anymore. You, I'm, I'm trying
3: to cut out, I'm trying, to cut out. I'm trying to cut it out. You lie trying to cut it out. You
4: went. you, you, you went the Taco Bell two days ago. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I know you love your Taco Bell. But anyway, not you go there college. And, and, it, it feeds it feeds something in that moment. But you don't put that you don't take it home put it in the refrigerator and eat it uh, the next day or a couple days later. It just serves something for that moment. And that's what it was at that okay. moment. I didn't say okay. by the way for the record because people are taking you seriously now because you're going you're getting all high minded and sedity on us and you're saying I well, i come Prior from a school I I come like from. That. I come I come from a time where uh, you know, we, we, we said what we meant. We meant what we said and we we we, st- we sit by it, stop it. Now just for the record. Mr. Accuracy. I never said Odell Beckham Jr. was the problem in Cleveland. I know too much about oh, Cleveland a problem. To say a that. problem. All right. No problem. problem, but he was watching that he goes was washed back years
3: And and, and he's shown not just last night, but toward the end of the season that that was an excellent pickup among all the excellent pickups they made. But let's just let's just the, the moment's long since right. passed. Okay, let's, let's right. actually let's actually let's actually but, talk about Narratives in general, and Matthew Stafford in particular, even going into yesterday's game. But yes, going into yesterday's game, we didn't get to in yesterday's show. Surprise, surprise. We tend to go long on topics. But I did not. I wanted to say yesterday. You know who was not under any pressure last night? In, in term, and he w- he may disagree, or they may disagree. Matthew Stafford. You know why? To, in my mind, Matthew Stafford was not under any pressure last night because so many people, such as yourself. Have long since had their minds made up about Matthew Stafford. And for that matter, Odell Beckham Jr. So if Matthew Stafford would have, oh, I don't know, thrown a pick six from his own end zone last night, for instance, all Matthew Stafford would have done is live down to your expectations for Matthew Stafford. Because you and many others never believed that Matthew Stafford, despite all he did to lift Detroit to some level of respectability, never believed that he was a winning player. Same for Odell Beckham, not a winning player. I believe those were your words not a player I that you could have it. on a winning organization. Okay, I don't believe and so it. had they gone in last it. night and lost at home, but I might have Matthew Stafford would have just perpetuated. It'll been a self-fulfilling prophecy in many respects for Matthew Stafford. The only entity, the only individuals who were under any pressure last night in my mind were Les Sneed and Sean McVay because again, as we pointed out, I believe they got to the divisional round last year with Jared Goff. Of course, they made it all the way to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. So if the people who mortgaged their future in terms of draft capital in order to bring in Matthew Stafford did not at least get in uh, uh, into the second round of the playoffs. They would have had more explaining to do than the guy who had set a record for most touchdown passes and most starts without ever winning a playoff game, which brings me to point number two. I don't what, what tickles me today is the people okay. who are giving game balls and flowers to Matthew Stafford, as if Matthew Stafford overnight became a different quarterback than he'd been his entire right. career uh, when you see, and Jason see, Johnson see, see, and others were calling is, him Stap Papper. He didn't is, do anything I different never last night that. than he always I does. Never, he just has a better that. team, which is why I can't stand records, one loss records for starting quarterbacks. Because Matthew okay, Stafford look, is no better now than he ever was. He's this just is, in a better well, set of circumstances. Is, well, and now well, people oh, well, like great. you want to give him game ball. Well
4: great. Well, good for you for being thoughtful. Johnny and, and, come and, late and looking at yeah, sorry. And looking at the looking at it's the big fall. picture. But you know what? But you don't do that. You don't do that. You do that to suit your own purposes <laughs> too. Because the bottom line is he a guy played most of his career and I'm sorry I didn't make up the rules. He never won a playoff game, Mike. Our team to never want to play now. Our game. They're not. He's just supposed only playing to. Detroit. Okay, now you you are so full of it because let me tell you what you just did on national TV last week. Is that what just this is last week? Just oh, last what did week. I do? Yes, this is what this what did is I
3: say? and then what you did and
4: uh, you did on old school since you like the old school so much. you're oh, Now your, your memory is working.
3: Oh, now your memories hey, What I
4: Old school linear TV making an argument about Tom Brady, and you said Tom Brady, Tom Brady has won seven Super Bowls. Not no, not Tom Brady, not not Tom Brady's team. Oh, you I didn't even say, know how to spell it uh, out for you. Know, I
3: thought that okay. was. I thought that goes what yeah. I was saying.
4: No, no, stop, stop. You you do it when it's convenient, just like everybody else. You're not above the fray. You're not special. You're doing the same yeah, do. thing that everybody else is. Yeah, that's doing. fair.
3: That's fair. That's fair. Okay, no, that's I fair. know it is. That's fair. So that's everybody fair. else. When it comes to certain quarterbacks of or certain individuals, like look, yeah, Michael right, Jordan right, right. has six right, right. rings. For yeah, just certain arguments. You're doing the same yeah. thing.
4: Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. All right. Now look, it's going too far to call Matthew Stafford all the things that people call him. I've never called him that. Now I did call him a dome quarterback. Shame you on you. Laughed. Shame on me. You laughed. I did. I did. Yeah. Okay, I laughed at the joke. You
3: stood by it. You stood by did nothing about evil, which maybe, made you complicit.
4: Maybe I should have been more of an ally. I should have been more of a Matthew Stafford ally. I was not. Thank you. All right. Thank you. So I I, I confess, but he hadn't won a playoff game. You don't look, look at it this way. You think Matthew Stafford just guess we're, we're speculating. You think Matthew Stafford went home and said, I'm the same quarterback as I was before. These people tripping? Yes. Just because I'm. Yes. Just because I went. to I do. Just because I'm advancing. Just because I'm advancing to a place. I think he's getting a no, kick out of it.
3: Yes. That, that, I think that, he's getting a kick out of it. No lion that no. i gone to a place that no lion has ever gone before. I think he's getting a kick out of it. Yes. If I were him, I would. I would I laugh at y'all thinking that I'm different. Like like like, like I'm a different, different dude than I was the last 13 years. I'm just I just have. A better he coach. A, he, I have a better than, than I've had for the most part, Jim Caldwell notwithstanding. I Jim have Caldwell a better supporting cast, a better deep. Well, I said notwithstanding. I said Jim Caldwell notwithstanding. Okay. For the most part, yeah, I qualified okay. that. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I mean, like, I have a better defense. Than I've had I have a star studded cast, which allows me to throw for 200 yards and two touchdowns and win a game instead of always having to play from behind instead of always having to have gaudy passing stats because I ain't got a running game to speak of. So I think he is tickled. And you know what else is going to be funny? See, you you already you. I know what you also know what you're setting yourself up for next week. So you're picking the Rams. You're putting all the pressure at least whatever pressure there is on this year program. You're picking the Rams to beat the Bucks in Tampa. But if one playoff win Matthew Stafford should lose to 35 playoff win Tom Brady on the road. I don't think you're going to be excusing Matthew Stafford in the Rams next week. You're more than likely going to be talking about how they underachieved even though they lost on the no. road at the defending Super Bowl champion. No. I know you don't no. no, no I know no. you. I no, know no. you
4: no, no. no, no. No, no, okay. That's
3: not okay. All right. Well, you're not going to do it now because I called you on it.
4: No, no, I would do it. I mean, if if it's if it's what I wanted to do, I would absolutely do it. But what you have missed here. You've missed a transformative moment and I'm disappointed in you. You've missed that. I'm in a different place now, Michael. I'm in transition. I'm in a different place. You know, Cincinnati (laughs) Seeing Cincinnati okay, win Jules. the AFC Okay, right, right.
3: I mean, you happen to catch me in the transition period. Yeah. Yes I am. Normally you two would be dead right. as fried chicken, but yeah. Okay. I caught you in the transition period.
4: Do you read the Bible? Do you read the Bible, Mike?
3: No, but uh, uh, really. Not right Seeing
4: <laughs> Cincinnati win the AFC North. <laughs> win the AFC North and win the first playoff game since 1991 seeing Odell Beckham Jr. and Matthew Stafford and all of this seeing them just get to a different place and just change the conversation has made me
3: look at myself. It right. has made me very, I'm very, very pensive, just very say, reflective. Just just say you're tired of being wrong all the time. That, maybe that's what it really no. is. Maybe you're looking at the no, landscape and Be I mean. like, damn, I got to do better. <laughs> maybe that's it. Stay away from Western New York. Just no, hold that L hold hold that L and move on. Move forward amicably. one. Okay, who won the champion? Who won the championship last year? Who won the NBA championship? We, I, was it Brooklyn? Oh, I, th- I thought we weren't bringing up old
4: stuff. I thought we, I thought you were keeping score. Hey, I thought you were keeping I thought you were bringing up shoe size. Hey, hey wait, hey. do bit as Bill Belichick says we got to do business as business is being done. Now, I'd like to move forward amicably. But if you go come for if you go come at me like this. Well, hey, Let's get down. Let's get some jujitsu.
3: Can I say, let's get it on. Can the I say one thing? Can I say one thing for anybody who's endured this conversation to the end? Nobody fills 25 minutes with absolutely nothing better than Holly and Smith. Impecality. I think we could agree on that. I Impecality. think we agree on that. did we did we arrive at anything but, of significance in this conversation? Did we settle anything? Did we offer right. anything insightful?
4: Mike, that's the beauty of it. We're not is the it? Atlantic. This is not the Atlantic. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Is, it? is that is this we beautiful? beautiful? We is just float? What call it we just Yes, I think it's beautiful. We we're, we're, we're just floating. We're just floating. Just float All on. Right. We're the floaters. Okay. Yeah, we just got to keep keep looking at it, keep trying to uh, find new ways to improve later on in the season, um, whatever that may be. Uh, that's that's definitely a, a priority this
1: off season. It was a massive failure. I mean, from what we were capable of doing, and from what we showed we can do, um, to to what to today. Um, there's no other way to describe it than as a failure. We didn't do what we were supposed to do. We started the season great and we finished the season terrible. So, that's, it is what it is.
3: Yeah, yeah on the contrary, Michael, uh, the Cardinals did exactly what they were supposed to do. And if they believe they're supposed to do something differently, probably need to find a new coach. Um, Cliff Kingsbury (laughs) feels like only yesterday he was getting legitimate and serious coach of the year. Love feels like only yesterday. He was getting illegitimate uh, and manufactured um, speculation about whether or not he would go to the University of Oklahoma to replace Lincoln Riley, given his big 12 ties. Um, And now here we are. Cliff Kingsbury uh, going into the last year of his contract. Now, Coaches have coached in the last year of their contract before. It's not unprecedented, but it's unpopular. It's uncomfortable. Um, It's it's not how you want your organization to function with a lame duck coach. I don't know how the Arizona Cardinals can look at what happened, not just last night. But look at what happened down the stretch this season and feel good about handing Cliff Kingsbury a contract extension. Not when his body of work suggests that this is what happens to Cliff Kingsbury teams. Michael. Okay, look, I spent the whole a block giving you grief for how wrong you were about the Los Angeles Rams. Okay, conversely. You never trusted the Arizona Cardinals even when they were number one in a lot of people's power rankings even when they were 10 and 2 even when they were undefeated and undefeated on the road. You never trusted the Cardinals and rightfully so 2019 again, his first year different roster, right? 3 3 and 1 start 2 and 7 finish. Missed the playoffs, right? 2020 as we all know, which was the basis for your lack of trust 6 and 3, right? Start 2 and 5 finish. missed the playoffs this year that aforementioned 10 and two start a 1 and 5 finish including getting embarrassed last night. In yep. the wild card game, okay. but wait, there's more go back to Texas yeah. Tech. 13, lost five of six, 14, lost four of six, 15, lost four of six, 16, lost six of eight, 17, lost six of eight, 18, lost five of five. And then, of course, the last three years, losing seven of nine, five of seven, and five of six to end the season. This is what Cliff Kingsbury teams do. So for Cliff Cliff Kingsbury to say, we got to find a way to get better late in the season or play better late in the season. I don't know that Cliff Kingsbury is capable of finding those ways clearly the rest of the league or the rest of the competition is more than capable of figuring out Cliff Kingsbury teams, but how you can commit long-term to somebody who's only good for the first half of the season. I don't know if the Cardinals actually want to get past the first round and maybe threaten their first organizational championship since 1947. I don't see them doing it with Cliff Kingsbury at the helm based on the body of work that he's had going back to Texas Tech. I got to tell you this. This conversation is so unfair. This is so unfair.
4: I don't like this at all. And um, I think it's unfair to go back to Texas Tech. talk about Cliff Kingsbury. I, I do. I, I, I really we're really at Kingsbury who took over for Steve Wilkes uh, who was one, one year, and yep. done In Arizona, right? He took over. He had a rookie quarterback, and Kyler Murray. And so that first year, rookie head coach in the NFL, rookie quarterback, and whatever that whatever is going to happen there, whatever. If we don't have a we don't have great expectations with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback, that's year one.
3: Okay, so scrap year one. Scrap year one. Okay, cool. Scrap year one. So
4: year one, year two.
3: There's improvement. Kyler got hurt. There's improvement. Kyler got hurt. There's improvement.
4: And, and, and it's a collapse year three. What happened? Kyler got hurt. Also. There's a COVID outbreak again on the roster, including with Kingsbury and comp- himself
3: and they competed with Colt McCoy and one games of Colt McCoy.
4: And they improved again year one. They didn't make the playoffs year two. They did not make the playoffs year three. They make the playoffs. The young quarterback is getting better. The Young quarterback was an MVP mm-hmm. candidate last year until he fell off. Uh, Mm -hmm. Same thing happened in 2021. DeAndre Hopkins had some injuries. There were some things that happened with the Arizona Cardinals. I I, extinguished. I don't see. this is what I don't like that's happening in the NFL. It's just across. It's happening across the board and I don't just say about I just don't say this about uh, play uh, coaches of color, particularly black coaches. I think people need to get fair opportunities to show what they are. So Mm -hmm. three years of Cliff Kingsbury at 42 years old. I don't know who he is yet as a head coach in the NFL what he did at Texas mm. Tech. I don't know. I don't care. Okay. I, honestly, okay. I don't care. What I care about is how is he improving as a head coach in the NFL. I didn't like what his team was doing this year. I don't like the way they collapsed down the stretch. I could see the collapse coming. They lost yeah. to the Detroit Lions
3: but, but Michael, but I mean, but, but can I ask you a question? But uh, I, don't if, think, if I don't think I don't think it's fair to that like so. okay, I go respect that that is a very reasoned, rational, and and logical take on your part, and I respect the hell out of it. But I, as I recall, and maybe you could take, if, uh, maybe you could remember what you were thinking in the moment when yeah. I was I like many were kind of by default saying that the Cardinals were the best team in the NFC. You yeah. were like public enemy. Can't trust it. Yeah, you like I can't I can't yeah, trust right, right. them. I don't trust the Cardinals and even when they beat the Cowboys right. for their only win during this swoon, you was like, I still don't trust them and you base right. that off of how they finished last year. So I guess I'm saying I don't remember this. This this, this the, the these, these circumstances this rationale. this, this reason when you just flat out said they were untrustworthy because they are they are which was are. what you said before. They, so how did you come were, around to being more patient? They, they,
4: they were and they are untrustworthy, but I, I don't think they were untrustworthy because, hey, Cliff King, Kingsbury is their coach and I don't trust him. And if you put another coach in there, all of a sudden, uh, I'm, I'm excited about the Cardinals. I think they are learning to turn their culture around. They had a, a pretty solid culture in place when Bruce Arians was the head coach and yep. uh, they had some playoff success and then it went south. It really went south. And now they're on the way back up. I don't think they're quite set yet. I don't think they're loaded everywhere they mm. need to be. Now they have they have some mm. really impressive pieces. You know, AJ Green and DeAndre Hopkins and Connor had a, a renaissance uh, this yeah. year. And, and, yeah. uh, okay, they did some good things. JJ Watt, what's 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 left of them. Chandler Jones is really yeah. good. They yeah. have some intriguing pieces but I still think they're a young improving team and let's go back to the quarterback. So I think whatever you say about oh. Cliff Kingsbury as as a as a pro. Yeah, not okay. in college, but whatever you okay. say about Cliff Kingsbury as a pro head coach, you can say the same things about Kyler Murray. That there are a lot of good okay. flashes. There are a lot of things in there that are promising, but at
3: times this little head. This was the worst pick six that I've seen in a long time. That's the worst pick six I've seen in a long time. Not only is it the shortest pick six in NFL history, it's the worst pick six I've seen in a long time. Because how, once he seems to to get really rattled in his own end zone, number one. Number two, how you think that it's a good idea, as if you're turning a double play, to throw underhanded as you're being sacked. Like, the best you could hope for in that moment is that nobody catches it. And then it's only a safety. You're not avoiding a safety in that moment by throwing it away because the best you could hope for is intentional grounding. But, but it, that, so that's not Cliff Kingsbury's fault. But Clip, the aptly named Cliff Kingsbury, his teams. There's a pattern of his teams falling off of one, as in a cliff. Okay. Yeah. And I you're right. It. I got it. But Michael, nice. respectfully, nice. respectfully everything you said, we could do that with every team that makes a change. If that's the case then nobody deserves to be fired. All no, right.
4: No, no, and, and, because and, no. And because maybe no, because no, that's not true. That's not true because his team maybe has there's shown a middle ground improvement, but, well, but, we're, but judging okay. we're judging him. We're judging because the improvement we get excited about the improvement. They start off this mm-hmm. year. What seven and zero or eight? zero?
3: seven and I believe it was 10 and two. So, so if if, and if, if one Kingsburg, of the losses was if, Green Bay and the other one was without Kyler Murray.
4: But this conversation is based on what we see, and we believe what we see in the, at the time, which is goes back to our our first conversation of today. At the time, we thought this, and then we adjust to the expectations. So, if if they had started this year four and three, or if they had started five and two, and they you know win one, lose one, win one, they go down the stretch, and they finish with the record that they have, people say, all right, the Cardinals made the playoffs, and they lost to a better team, right. they lost to the divisional champ. So, hey, let's get ready for next year. Instead, we're going back to seven and oh, as if that's really what they were not, or that's what they're supposed to be fair enough. And that's what I don't. Hey, that's not what I like that. I like that
3: logic, but we have, but I don't we have trust got trust what they are, but we got to apply that across the board then because sure, that, who else story is that? That's
4: nobody else's Miami. story that I can think of right My, now.
3: Miami Miami because Okay, Brian Flores. Well, we're on we the were same outraged. Page when Bri-
4: we're on the same page. When Brian, right? Fl- we're on the wait, same page but, but wait a
3: second, but, 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 but i but I'm, I think I'm identifying an inconsistency. We were outraged okay. when Brian Flores was fired. We got, we got to put a pen in this in a second. We were outraged when Brian Flores was fired because the Dolphins rebounded from a one and seven start that one and seven start that they had how much did Brian Flores have to do with that? In other words, Michael, I hear yeah. you 100, and I like what you said. Yeah. I like everything you yeah. said about looking at this uh, with more su- with more subtlety and more nuance than just "Oh, you were seven and zero, you were ten and two, you fell apart. Get him up out of here." You're right. It's gone to an extreme where t- coaches don't get time anymore. The only thing I want you to ponder as we go to break, we got company waiting for us. The only thing I want okay. you to ponder. All we'll right. come back to this later is if you are Cardinals management and you're serious about contending for a championship, you have clink Kingsbury going into a contract year. Do you feel good about giving him a contract? The way the last two seasons have ended for whatever reason with what you saw last night. Would you feel good about handing him a long-term contract? That's what I'm talking about. Even if you don't want to fire him, there's a decision that needs okay. to be made And his, and his body of work in Arizona and Texas Tech as a head coach Sorry, it does matter, and there's a pattern of his team fading and getting figured out. They were thinking about Texas Tech Tech when they hired him. They were thinking about it when they hired him.
4: But his players, nobody, nobody in that locker room says, "Hey, man, the same thing Coach did at Texas Tech." No, it doesn't matter. We moved on. Okay, we've we've graduated. We've graduated to the pros.
3: No, and, and again, I appreciate your stance. I do, but there has to be some accountability, and it starts with the head coach. Hey, this weekend live on the Golf Channel and on NBC. That's Thursday and Friday on the Golf Channel, Saturday and Sunday on NBC. Be sure to check out the 2022 Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions coming to you from Lake Nona Golf and Country Club in Orlando, Florida. And joining brother from another live is former NBA star and boxer, Darren Williams. Uh, I hesitate to call you boxer only because I saw you said you were one and done. So after defeating Frank Gore, you sure you don't have the itch to get back at it and kind of see if, you know, see how far you can take this thing?
6: No, not right now. You know, not right now. Uh, I'm still sticking to my guns. Uh, You know, it was just a one-time thing. You know, I had fun doing it, but uh, you know, it'll probably be the last.
3: Retire undefeated, right? You and Rocky Marciano. It's a good way to to go out. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) go ahead, Mike. Go out on top.
4: (laughs) No, I I, I saw uh, after that fight, you said, you know, you just wanted to represent NBA players uh, in in that fight. How many NBA players did you hear from before the fight? And how many did you hear from after? And and just give us Uh, a sense of uh, some of the things that you heard.
6: It's quite a bit. You know, I, I, a lot of, a lot of guys called me before, like when I took the fight, um, or text me or hit me on Instagram, Um, you know, and a lot of them knew I I had been training, you know, like one of the first calls I got was from, from Chris Paul. And so, you know, he was already telling me he was already, you know, talking, talking some noise to some people, some football players. And, um, you know, other guys just told me they, you know, they were looking forward to watching the fight. So, and then afterwards, same thing, you know, definitely got a lot of love from the the NBA community.
3: And I saw what you said, uh, you just wanted to, you wanted to check a box. Man, yeah. you know, stepping in that ring or even making that walk to get to the ring, few mm-hmm. people have what it takes to do that. What did you learn about yourself through the process of training and preparing and also stepping in that ring and emerging victorious?
6: Yeah, I mean, I had to, you know, I had to go through a lot. I feel like, you know, it was, it was a really short camp. It was, I got... I got the call about six weeks out and um, I was actually like 245 pounds, give or take. (laughs) And uh, the fight was at 215, so I had to I mean, from the jump, I had to, you know, change my whole diet and and get to training and battle through injuries. You know, just doubt if I could even make it to the fight because of the injuries and um, you know, but as it got closer to the fight and, and, you know, I trained more and more, I felt more comfortable and um but by the time I got to fight week I was ready to just fight and uh, I wasn't nervous I wasn't really nervous on the walkout which kind of kind of surprised me because I you know I own MMA gym in Dallas and I talked to a lot of our fighters who fight in the UFC and all of them said they they usually have nerves but I don't know I guess you know being in an arena you know kind of reminded me of a basketball event and so I, I think that played a part of it but um you know, all in all, man, like you said, it was a box I wanted to check and it was, it was something that I wanted to do and prove to myself that I can do and, um, you know, and just have fun. You know,
4: Darren, I was telling somebody, I, I'm glad to be alive right now because I was just really trying to process a sentence I said to myself uh, right after the fight. I just saw Darren Williams beat Frank Gore in a boxing match. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, Darren Williams, who I was watching because one of my favorite, by the way, one of my favorite college basketball teams was your Illinois team with D. Brown and all this guy. I love that team. So I say, like, okay, Darren Williams, that guy was in a fight with Frank Gore, who is ageless and just yeah. seemed to play forever. Uh, just how did you process it? And what did you think of some of these things here? We're playing some of the memes uh, it went that this this went viral. Uh,
6: what what yeah. did you think about just all the hype and attention that this fight got? Um, you know, I, I honestly, it was kind of weird because you know I've been away from the game for four years, and you know, besides playing in like these these celebrity tournaments, you know, I kind of fly under the radar. I don't I don't do too much where you know I'm out in, in public eye, and so as as time's gone on. You know i've i've got less and less attention when i go out i don't get bothered as much and things like that so when i took the fight it just surprised me how big of a deal it was i think at first and i was like oh shoot like you know this is kind of a big deal and um you know seeing it on sports center and talked about you know pretty much a lot you know a lot until till the fight and after the fight um You know, I realized how big of a deal it was. And then when I found out how many people actually watched the fight, um, you know, I I saw the pay-per-view numbers. I don't know what it is, but dang there, everybody I know or don't know seems like they watched the fight. So one way or another.
3: And you mentioned leaving the game. So you you own an MMA gym uh, in Dallas. Uh
6: Um,
3: Your full-time dad, you got four kids, right? I mean, that's more than me and Michael. Both of us have three, so you got us beat there. Um, But I also read where when you left the game in 2017 at 32, which is crazy. Yeah, like you weren't you weren't in a great place mentally. Can you walk us through your transition from all-star NBA player to where you are now and how you were able to make that transition and fight through uh, whatever uh, discomfort you were having once you had to leave the game so early.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think that That first year, honestly, I just distracted myself you know i tried i didn't really watch much basketball. I played a ton of golf I mean about as much golf as you can probably play, and then of course, kids you know they 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 eat up a fair share of your time and 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 trying to spend as much time with them um as well and um you know then you know there's only so much of that you can do and then you start you know high level athletes we're used to regimen we're used to you know um having things to do, prepare for, compete, and I started to miss that. So I started to try to, try to compete in golf. Man, this sport is brutal. Golf is a is a very humbling um, mental game. And, uh, you know, I was going through some personal things in life where it just uh, – golf wasn't working either, and I kind of stepped away from it for a while and started working on myself and, um, you know, trying to, you know – Trying to, trying to be a better person and um, definitely in a much better headspace right now. And I think that's a big reason why I was able to take that boxing match because a lot of the anxiety um, and depression that I had had when I played basketball, you know, ha- had, uh, I'd been able to work through a lot of it. And, and um, you know, that's a big reason I wanted to take the fight and was able to get through it the way I did.
4: You know, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, what they've missed about a professional lifestyle. Some, some guys say it's the camaraderie some as you just referenced the schedule and just the the discipline of knowing I have somewhere to be at this time.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: Was that it for you or, or was there something else that you missed from the game that you didn't realize until you were away from it.
6: So so 100% the camaraderie, you know, being in that locker room with those guys, you know, um, is is always amazing. Um, you know, there's no, no better thing than just shooting the breeze after practice or after games or on the plane, playing cards, you know, hanging out, you know, you you form a lot of friendships being on basketball teams and and definitely miss that. Um, And I would, I would say the schedule, you know, the schedule is like a, it was, that's the thing that I missed the most and it's the thing that I hated the most as well, because the travel, the, the rigors of NBA season, you know, playing four and five nights, even though I don't think they're doing that as much now, you know, the back-to-backs, you know, getting into a city at, at 3 in the morning and having to play the next day, you know, um, those are the, 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 the things of the schedule I don't miss. But, um, you know, having something to, you know, a goal that you're working for every year, um, I, I do miss that.
3: Um, you know, I want to talk to you about the, one of your former teams, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've been a part of a, a super team experiment before, Mm -hmm. you know, we bring together quite a few uh, all-star players. Uh, There's no shortage of drama. Most of it just has to do with unavailability for one reason or another, but no short of drama and attention and discussion around the Brooklyn Nets. We certainly have our our fair share of it. I wonder from your perspective and your experience. Is there an aspect to a, 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 a quote unquote super team assembling that goes on behind the scenes that from the outside. We just look at the talent. And look at the positions and look at the resumes and nothing else you really can't appreciate unless you're in it and you're in the locker room and you're and you're trying to make it work. Just take us kind of behind the scenes of of, of the challenges that come with bringing together so many talented individuals.
6: Yeah, I mean, you know how the NBA works. I mean, uh, it's everything has to go right for a team to win a championship. You know, not only do they have to have the talent and good coaching, but everybody's got to stay healthy, you know, um, You know, that's first and foremost. And you see, you know, KD just going down. um, And that's kind of been their their issue since they've they've assembled is they haven't had all three guys available at one time um, for, for an extended period of time. So you really haven't seen them, their full potential. And so, you know, and then do these players work together? And sometimes you get, you know, you get three of the best players in the world. Their styles might not mesh, you know, the way you hoped, they would mesh um and I think you're seeing a little bit of that um with the Lakers right now where they're struggling but when it comes playoff time you know I feel like they could turn it on um but but with Brooklyn I I feel like it's just a matter of getting those three guys you know obviously the, the vaccination status of Kyrie is you know hurts you know that that possibility but um you know, getting those three guys on the court for an extended period of time um, to really fu- fully see what they can do and, and get some chemistry and get some, you know, those minutes together. I think that's important.
3: And, and you, were, you were honest a little while ago about, um, about some of your struggles post-retirement. Mm-hmm. What was the mm-hmm. turning point for you? Like, what, what, what was that moment that it could have gone either way, but what allowed you to turn, turn it around and, and get your life back to a good place?
6: Um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if there was one, one turning point. Um, I think it was just kind of, it was kind of a conscious effort and kind of like a, you know, a gradual thing, Um, you know, and, and uh, I just want to be my best self and my best self for my kids. And so, you know, I, I just knew there were some things that needed to change in my life
3: for example, you know what, I what, what was it that you, as a, as a father, we like to talk
6: about fatherhood on this show a lot, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. like
3: what, what was it, what was it that you knew you had to change for your kids and your family?
6: Well, I just, I think just the place I was mentally, it was taking me, um, you know, away from, I don't know how to say like like, I, number one, I felt like I wasn't a great father, even though I was, but it was just the mental struggles that I was, that I was dealing with. Kind of pushed me away, you know, um, away from being a better person, a better father, um, you know, and like I said, there wasn't really one. One thing or that I can really point to, but um, it was just something that I just just gradually kind of kind of um, needed to do.
3: Gotcha. Uh,
4: we we could tell from the from the uh, background that you are at a uh, golf course or near a golf course. Yes. uh what does the uh what does the game mean to you today and uh and why are you there right now
6: yeah. uh well you know uh I've, I've golf has always been a a love of mine um uh, it started because i was so bad it was like the one sport that i just couldn't you know pick up right away um and kind of just got the bug from then it was my rookie year um after my rookie year got the bug and uh, haven't looked back you know uh, and I haven't been playing as much lately because uh, I was obviously I was training for the fight and I uh, had some injuries before that it kept me away from the game but um, you know this this tournament that I'm playing in uh, is one of my favorite events because we get to play with the best women LPGA players in the world who have won on the tour tour last year play with other celebrities and um, it's just a really fun event with some concerts mixed in and and you know, get to mingle with the sponsors and fans, and you know it's just a really, really well uh, put together event. And hopefully, they can turn the heat up outside about ten degrees because it was freezing this morning. <laughs> well,
3: hopefully, we get a chance to come kick it down there, which is sometime so Thursday, Friday on the Golf Channel, Saturday and Sunday on NBC, uh, the HVC, HGV. I beg your pardon, Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions. We'll see you. We'll see what you got with the sticks. We know you got hands, uh, as the world found out in December. But uh, Darren Williams is retired. Went out on top. Went out a champion. I'm just, uh, I'm just glad y'all took it easy on I me.
6: Mean, I was a little worried because I was listening. You know, I was on a couple minutes before before y'all got me on the show, and y'all y'all got some heated battles. Y'all like y'all <laughs> y'all, y'all get some heated discussions over here going on. Well,
3: once upon a time, we used to argue Darren Williams versus Chris Paul. I used to take Darren Williams, just so you know.
6: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Not anymore. CP is doing his thing. Yeah, man. Still doing his
4: thing. It's all good, Darren. I I tell you, I've I've known him for, uh, I've known Michael Smith here for 23 years. So it's all good. It's all good. good. It's all good. And he is, and you know what? I have, uh, I have been Darren Williams to his Frank Gore. Over oh, those bullshit.
6: Years too. Well, so, he, now he so, lied. He, hey, hey, he lied. Darren, he lied.
3: He lied, yeah, okay? Yeah, I hear you. He lied. I'm the one who got the hands between the two of us. I ain't saying much, but uh, still. Okay? Yeah, <laughs> All right, man. Be I great. hear you. Have a good one. Thank you so much for taking All the time. Man. We appreciate you. Yeah, for sure.
6: Shotgun snap, Murray from his end zone. Looking. puffs in trouble, gets hit,
1: throws the ball forward, and it's picked off, and it's a touchdown. The underhand threw the
6: ball. David Long picks it off, walks in for a touchdown. What a disaster. My goodness, you can't make that mistake if you're Tyler
1: Murray. The safety's still better than the touchdown. Wow.
0: Uh, pick six was just a huge momentum builder. Uh, I think that put us at twenty-one zero. So the game was in balance at that point, and you know we got pressure right there on that play. I, they had like a little spot route, so you post stop, and right here, and I boom went here, and you'll see. Kyler was like, "Oh no," and then oh gosh, and then whoop, and then Dilo, touchdown. And I was right there. I saw it on slow mo. I was like, "Oh my gosh! Oh my! God. Oh touchdown! Let's go!"
6: uh disappointing um you know prepare our week off season you know to, to be where we are and then uh you know that game that game was more competitive at all so uh, it's, you know it's disappointing um that we didn't um, you know didn't make it a game you know and and come out um, and play the football we know we're capable of playing that's really the most disappointing part you know losing is one thing but When you don't, you know, you don't even make it competitive. It's it's another thing. So, but it's disappointing.
3: Hey, Steve, why settle something uh, for me and Michael, please. Uh, We were having a pretty spirited conversation earlier about the Arizona Cardinals uh, collapses the last two years and Cliff Kingsbury's record of his teams falling off a cliff going back to Texas Tech. Michael brought up some great points. Uh, about the circumstances around last year and this year uh, being unique to each one of those, right? Uh, I point I'm looking at the fact that Cliff Kingsbury is going into a contract year and I don't believe if you're the Arizona Cardinals. If you're serious about contending, you can look at the last two years and feel good about committing to Cliff Kingsbury long term. Is that an overreaction on my part?
1: I don't think so. Um Look, you see, because you saw it at Texas Tech, you saw it the past two years here. And I remember covering the Atlanta Falcons when Jim Mora, the son, was coaching the Falcons. They always got out to these great starts. You know, one year it got them to the NFC Championship before they lost to the Eagles. But after that, they would finish, say, 2-5 and or 2-6 and and either barely make the playoffs or not make it. And so all of a sudden they started to see a trend. And so they did their research to see, okay, is he over-practicing these guys and, you know, these guys aren't, you know, are they just can't hold up or our team's just figuring us out, we're not adjusting. And, and that to, and that was more of, of what went into it, okay? And then Jim, of course, had some comments on a radio show that, that led to his dismissal. But a lot of owners, a lot of smart people say this is a trend, something wherever this guy goes, he's coaching away to where they don't hold up. And the thing is, once they lost DeAndre Hopkins about six weeks ago, it was like the basketball player with no left hand, right? They had no alternative way to get the layup. They had no alternative way to make buckets. They couldn't figure it out. So that's something that that, that's going to go into this. And let's also not forget, this is just kind of out there a little bit. Remember when Lincoln Riley took the job at USC, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. within, like, minutes, you heard Cliff Kingsbury's mm-hmm. name going to Oklahoma? The good old you guys Asian know this. Game, those, yeah. <laughs> those things don't just show up now. Those right, are plants right. coming from an agent or something else. So we'll see over the next day or two what Cardinals ownership thinks. But I do know last year that they were not pleased with, with the way that the team collapsed down the stretch. Now, they saw a great jump in victories. They made the playoffs this year. So it's not a complete failure. So you have right, an ascending yeah. team, though, that just isn't ascending at the right time, as we're seeing the teams that won this weekend have.
3: Yeah, yeah, Michael, and, and that's, that's, one yeah. Know, that's one thing I know as one thing to add to your list is what we didn't. I don't think we mentioned that earlier. Michael um, as one thing I, I definitely underestimated. I thought they had enough firepower, Holly, to withstand the loss of of arguably the best receiver in the NFL and DeAndre Hopkins. Clearly not. They were a different team.
4: Yeah, I, I thought I, I thought so too fellas, but my point Steve is what? What do we think the uh, Arizona Cardinals are without Cl- Cliff Kingsbury. So if you take Kingsbury out of the mix, it, I don't think we're looking at, to go old school here, I don't think we're looking at a situation where Tony Dungy leaves Tampa Bay and John Gruden, the now disgraced John Gruden, uh, goes into Tampa and takes that Super Bowl ready roster and pushes them over the edge. I don't see that with the Cardinals. So I guess uh, my, my disagreement with you fellas is that I don't think the Cardinals are fully formed yet with or without Cliff Kingsbury. Do you agree with me?
1: Well, I mean, that may be a point, too. I mean, but at the same time, you know, we've been having this conversation about the Rams all year. Oh, they're going all in. They're going to get Von Miller. They're going to get Odell Beckham. They're going to get Matthew Stafford and Sony Michelle. But before the season, we were saying the Cardinals were going all, all in when they went and got A.J. Green and J.J. Watt and some other players. So, no, they're not fully formed, but they are pretty well formed for a quarterback on a rookie contract, right? They have developed a pretty good roster You know, guys like Christian Kirk—they had a good draft. Rondale Moore, you know, who you know, the rookie wide receiver out of Purdue—they had some players there. Remember, they did win a lot of games early in the season. They had a lot of—they had a lot of talent to put teams to the woodshed early in the season. But down the stretch, again, are you making the adjustments (laughs) that you have to make? That defense is loaded with talent, right? So I don't know how much more moves you can make but you better make him now because you got a quarterback on a rookie contract because as good as Kyler Murray is, he can make a 35, 38 million dollars by the time, uh, you know, his deal comes up. And so there could be a prohibitive when it comes that way.
3: We've been focused on Cliff Kingsbury, but maybe it's a Kyler Murray conversation. Could it be, and Michael, this is kind of coming more toward, uh, you know, your line of thinking about just this being part of the process. Could it be that Kyler Murray is just growing up and this was his first taste of the playoffs. He was overwhelmed. He didn't play well. Cliff Kingsbury didn't throw that pick six from the end zone. Um, could it just be that they ran up against a better more mature team and the quarterback is having to grow and this is just part of the, the you know, the evolution of an organization like maybe they maybe they are right on schedule as ugly as they finish and as much as Cliff yeah. Kingsbury has a pattern of, of his team's faltering in the second half. Was it last night? Just a matter of either a, a the Rams are good, b Kyler Murray just ain't that guy yet. As much as we want to talk about him being next and MVP candidate, was last night more about Kyler Murray than it was about Cliff Kingsbury, Steve?
1: It very, very well could have been. It very well could have been. I mean, that's that's a really good point because you know, look, he's just in his third year. You know, we we're, we've been in this game long enough, guys. You know, like how many teams we had to go through it? We had to take that L in the first round for everybody to understand the magnitude of what the big game really is like at this level. Because all week coming in, Kyler Murray was like, look, I was raised for the big game. I was raised for the big moment. Well, you know, we saw in that game last night when everything didn't work out right, that he, he didn't play well. I mean, it wasn't all on him. I mean, it was a catastrophe in a lot of different areas for the Arizona Cardinals. But again, he is maturing. He's got to understand. But you know, the, the coaches and everybody have to help him out along the way. But more importantly, to your point, Mike, they just faced a better ball club. I mean, it was point point blank, all things being equal. The Rams are a better ball club, a more seasoned ball club with more stars than the Arizona Cardinals.
4: You know, let's let's talk about the Rams for a second. Um, Steve, because I think I, I've made I've made this this comment about them. And I think a lot of people do. You just said it. They're a star set team and it's really easy to focus on their stars, starting with, you know, an Aaron Donald and and a Jalen Ramsey like in Cooper Cup, like these these big time, especially in the, in the case of 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 Donald and Cup, you no know, homegrown guys, but there's a cast off chip on their shoulder aspect to the Rams too. Sony Michelle was just given away by New England and, and Matthew Stafford. He wasn't given away, but it was this feeling that Okay, you can only get go so far with Matthew Stafford, and of course, in season, Odell Beckham Jr. How do you how do you characterize the Rams? Are they the star-studded group, or do you look at the underside there, those guys that I mentioned with, with something to prove? Just look at this. Tell me about this team from your perspective.
1: Well, they all have something to prove. I mean, Jalen Ramsey's one of those you know super great players who always tries to find that edge, right? Like the elite of the elite guys. So you've got that. Same with Aaron Donald. Okay, he doesn't he knows people don't doubt him, but he's just got that in his DNA. I mean, you watch him practice, it is it is like nothing you've ever seen out of a defensive lineman, if maybe a player at any other position. But I think where the Rams are really good is yes, they are top heavy in terms of having just really talented, exceptional players, the best players at their position. But what the Rams do better than any team in the NFL is they develop guys who you've never really heard of before. I mean, look, they started that game. With two backup safeties who played very well it was nick scott who put the smoke on aj green who forced the incomplete pla- incomplete pass which sean Vade challenged which led to that pick six by Kyler murray they develop players so well like like you know you look at some of the defensive linemen this guy greg Gaines, right okay of course he's playing next to the kingmaker aaron donald who gets a lot of attention but they develop guys look at look at cooper cup how he developed so that's another thing that this staff routinely does. Remember, this staff turns; they lose coaches every year. So that's the culture set by Sean McVay. So they are a top-heavy team when it comes again to the best players at their positions. But what they do culturally and the way that these guys coach—and that's why Sean McVay is such a good coach—he coaches his coaches to develop players, and that is a hard skill on an NFL calendar to do.
3: When I look at a. Uh... Mark Davis, I, I think about Heath Ledger's Joker. Do I look like a guy with a plan? You know, it's like I, I, I <laughs> that was a left there, Mike. <laughs> no, I just, I just, I just, I'm like, what, what are they doing? I mean, they just make the playoffs. They're a feel good story They overcome all sorts of adversity, which is well documented. Players are clamoring for Rich Versace and I get it. You know, players probably shouldn't hire their own boss, whatever, but take us kind of inside. What is he trying to do? I mean, to a certain extent, I can understand wiping the slate clean and not trying to get uh, to, 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 to saddle your next coach by inheriting a general manager. But that general manager, even if he worked, even if he did not have final say over the roster, the aforementioned John Gruden apparently did like may helped build a playoff team. I guess it's just crazy that it wasn't that long ago. Steve, your former colleague, Mike Mayock was like the darling of, of draft weekend and was, you know, was 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 a guy that, you know, got a GM gig and all of a sudden he's on the street after a playoff appearance or was he not that important to the organization? Just what's going on in, in Las Vegas?
1: Yeah, that that's a great question. First off, let me preface this. You know, I love Mike Mack personally. I mean, I worked with him. He's a great human being, um, you know, so and you one thing about the Raiders is you don't necessarily know all the machinations of what's going on in the building. Before the season, you know, Mark Bedain, their team president, three top executives left kind of under some mysterious terms. You know, there were reports that there were some accounting uh, issues going on for years with this organization. So they had a major leadership void there, right? Then Gruden leaves. Okay, then you have everything with, you know, Damon Arnett and Henry Ruggs go down. So Mike Mayock, I think, was always kind of in the crosshairs because some of the players that he drafted, like Cleveland Farrell, a couple other players' high picks didn't work out right, but were they his or were they Gruden's picks? Only Mark Davis in that building knows, right? But some of the other guys on his docket are Rugs, are Arnett, some guys like that. They're going to go to his credit, even if John Gruden had that on there. I think Mayock did an incredible job, along with Ritz Passaccia, putting their arms around the chaos and steadying things. But does Mark Davis think that, okay, that's a short-term hug? Or is that something we can move, you know, move forward with? And so clearly, get rid of Mayock. I think Rich Passaccia is next in line. And I think it's yeah. going to be a clean sweep. I mean, they've had months to try to figure out what to do. And I think they're going to make a clean sweep in how they reorg the Does he want to just give it
3: all to Harbaugh and just say, to, like, or somebody like a Harbaugh and mm-hmm. just say, here, the organization is yours. Do with it as you please. Like, or, or do they have somebody, a type of coach in mind that they're looking for? It's a tough act to follow that, is what I'm getting How did how, how, that work out last time?
1: You know, yeah. when they when they get they gave because they gave Gruden. I mean, they gave him the palace. And look, if, if we didn't know about the emails, he would still have all that authoritative power. Right. And so. Right. I don't. So again, might be there, I too. <laughs> correct. So <laughs> I don't know if Mark Davis felt that that was the right formula. and They just got you know busted for some old dirty emails or if he wants to have some type of chain of command, you know, get a general manager in here and then let him hire the coach again the, the Raiders are a hard organization to figure out and who would that dude be would it would it be Harbaugh would it be Brian Flores would it be Dan Quinn you have no idea you know do they want to keep Derek Carr everyone I talked to said be careful about getting rid of Derek Carr he's a good player and quarterbacks are hard to find if you get rid of him yeah. you better he's have a somebody guy right you better have somebody to replace him with he's pretty good if you're trying to compete with a playoff team So, you know, you can't tear this team down to the studs. They just did make the playoffs. So it's just, I think this is one everyone's keeping an eye on because this is an attractive situation. It's a city where there's incredible growth potential. You've got talent on the roster, and you do have an owner that could pay a lot of bucks and make a commitment to you if he really believes it.
4: Uh, I'm going to ask you a a question. Uh, Maybe you don't have the answer to it, but just we're going to speculate. Let's all, the three of us will speculate together and come up with an answer. Obviously, we know the league has major issues when it comes to hiring persons of color in, in important positions general manager head coach, even offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators if we're going to be honest about it. And I'm, I'm wondering like as we go through the another hiring cycle. Who do you think is most influential in names being mentioned? Is it is it owners which we always say these owners or do you think it's the I'll call them the shadow general managers the, the guys behind the scenes who used to have front office jobs like the Bill Polian's of the world. Uh, the consultants who say hey, go talk to that guy. Go talk to that guy because the reason I'm asking Steve and Mike is you know, Raheem Morris. We're talking about the Rams Raheem Morris. His team was doing this thing last night. I don't think he's got any job interviews. Uh, He does. He
3: he got one. He got one. He just got got one. one. Right.
1: He'll have more.
4: And and uh, we we talked with Shalice uh, yesterday. Shalice Young and she mentioned Pep Hamilton. Those are names that don't that aren't mentioned that often. Who who do you think is responsible for getting some of these names out there mentioned that people are talking about as hot candidates?
1: It's not the owners. I will tell you that right now. The owners very few of them are plugged into the coaching pipeline. That's why they trust their team presidents, search firms, and general managers. Very few of whom look like us three. Okay, so that's how come you tend to have the five beta whatever pipeline, not the omega, not the kappa, not the sigma pipeline. Okay, you guys get where I'm going
4: with that. And okay. so we ain't got the we ain't got the boule in here either. The boule. We don't got the boule. We don't got the
1: we don't have anybody not in here legs, like that. Not, not the guardsmen. <laughs> not the guardsmen. So no, no, so so that's not where it is. And that's why, look, you know, you see clubs hire search firms. There are very few search firms owned by people of color that employ people of color. Again, we know the general manager, team president, this. So guys are identified first off the owners are like, Well, why can't we have someone like Sean McVeigh? Because look what all his look what Zach Taylor's doing. Look what the LaFleurs are doing, right? That, I want one of those instead of saying, well, yeah, I know Jim Caldwell has done it before and he's developed quarterback and he won in Detroit and he won, you know, he, he won a Super Bowl as an assistant in Baltimore and he won in Indianapolis, but I want one of those. Right. So the people who are in the owner's ear are the ones who he looks like, associates with, um, and not, people of color i will tell you this this is not a league this is not a, when i say league not an nfl office right. issue in terms of they have incentivized these teams in every which way they can these teams have databases they will call up and say look you really need to look at pep hamilton as your offensive coordinator he's developed all these quarterbacks but then the general manager's like well this dude could be a threat or or something like this i don't really want Stuff that they don't normally pull. Even Brian Flores, for all the warts he supposedly has, what other head coaches haven't had those, but yet they get another year to work them out? Oh, we're going to sit down and have a powwow with him, the GM, and they're going to work this out because we like the way things are headed. No, they chose one or the other. And so that's just something that happens to black coaches more often. People consider and say, well, what about this? No, this is indisputable. This is indisputable. And, you know, hopefully this changes. There's eight bites at the apple for head coaches right here. We'll see how many teams, if even two, if even only two are hired, that brings you up to last year. There's no net gain. Right. So I'm, I'm really intrigued by this because this is a very, very bad look for the NFL and these owners who supposedly are all about inspiring change, right?
3: I'm, uh, I'm already preparing myself for uh, disappointment no matter yep. how many names cross the interview wire, just because, you know, I guess I could, I could see a world in which eight organizations make eight individual decisions that reflect poorly on the 32. Uh, yep. Always
1: a pleasure. And brother. Real, real, we real, real, you. real quick, guys. Oh, yeah, and I, and I won't take long yeah. real quick. Hey, head coaches yeah. are, are also responsible for this as well, because they're the ones who hire their coordinators. And they're the ones who push people out. We've seen Andy Reid yeah. push Eric Bien-Ami, and He's been Heisman, right? Even though Matt Nagy and all these other guys weren't. But too yes. many head coaches do not have coordinators of color or quarterback coaches of color that they could also push in the pipeline to say these guys need to be next, so they're not completely yeah. off the hook with this either.
3: It's still a huge discrepancy in terms of black coaches on the offensive side of the ball, that's still something um, that's in the process of changing. We appreciate you, Steve Weiss. Keep up the great work, brother. We'll see you next time, always, gents.
0: I'm not bringing science into the basketball game. You know what I mean? I'm not bringing what's going on. Everyone's feeling what's going on in the real world. I'm walking around as an unvaccinated person, uh, sort of saying I've already been separated into another group of a a community. And I'm just saying to everybody, I'm human. I have decisions to make. I have a family to take care of. There are things that are just as important um, to me as being great at a game of basketball or, you know, leaving a legacy. So I think to answer your question is, it's just the reality of where the world is, is in the present state, you know, you see that there are more boosters and there are people getting fired for being unvaccinated. We're all dealing with it. We're all feeling it. My, my message has always been, I respect what everyone else is doing with their bodies. I respect what everyone else is doing uh, in terms of their livelihoods and I'm here to support. Um, But what's going on with me is I'm, I'm taking it one day at a time. That's it. Nothing's guaranteed in this, in this world right now. So people are getting sick left and right. And uh, for me, I, I'm just trying to be uh, just a person that's, that's being a beacon of of hope and, and light and, and just trying to shed as much as I can on the situation without um, talking myself into more BS and, and what's going on in this political world that we're in right now. And I just don't wanna bring science into this. And, and it just, it always gets wrapped up and I'm, I'm asking, I'm asked questions all the time about what's my status. And I'm like, man, if you were in my position, it would be easy for someone to say, well, why don't you just get vaccinated? But you're not. And that's just the reality of it. And I've made my decision already and I'm standing on it. I I stay rooted in, in my decision. And that's just what it is. You know, it's not going to be swayed just because of one thing in this NBA life that somehow is you know, some, sometime, somehow it's brought to my attention as being more important than what's going on in the real world. It's just not happening for me, you know? And I, res- like I again, I respect everyone else's decision. I'm not going to ever uh, <clears throat> try to convince anyone of anything or any of that. I just am standing, standing rooted in what I believe in. And though we're dealing with this right now with Kev, I just know that I'm protected by the organization. I'm protected by my teammates. I'm protected by uh, all the doctors I've talked to. And, um, you know, I just stand rooted Hmm. Yeah, right,
4: right. So yeah, uh, yeah. that, in, that in is sure Michael Smith. Can I tell you that? Can I tell you that is the stop
6: That
4: is the be- best thing said all day.
3: That's the best thing that either of us. That's the best thing that either of us have said all day right there. Kyrie. Mm. Kyrie took us to I church. Kyrie said like, like a tree planted by the water. I shall not be moved. Yeah, um, that's right. I hey, listen,
4: hate... listen. Hey, Will, <laughs> it, it, Will, Will is doing social media today. Will the podcast? Today's podcast is called. Hmm. <laughs> 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 that, that's the name of it. That's the name of this episode right here. Yeah.
3: That, it, um, there's
4: there's a lot, there's a lot right. There's a lot in that. There's always exchange. a lot with Kyrie.
3: There's always a lot, and I guess as I heard this last night. I tried my best to, to make sense of it. And, you know, like I ain't got to make yeah. sense of it. It's, it's Kyrie's decision. I thought about how foolish I was to be optimistic that Kyrie Irving would come around. Now. I mean, I, I thought that they met him halfway by letting him play on the road. He'd be around the team would want to be available for the team, especially as the States got higher and there's still time for him to come around. But that guy certainly didn't sound like somebody who's even considering whatever fact finding whatever process he claims to be to undertaking. Right You're preaching to me. Okay, this sermon's is for me. It, this sermon yeah, is he is that sounds like somebody who doesn't want to hear it. He's Like I'm not bringing science into this. Well, okay, so much for that. Right. So I guess where I'm at right now, like he's rooted. I'm resigned. Kyrie is rooted. I'm resigned and I am resigned to believing at this point given everything given, you know, just how fragile Uh, this group is um, in more ways than one. So Kevin Durant's out right now. Kyrie Irving is a role player and at least before the All-Star break. They have 11 of 16 games left before the All-Star break on the road. So they'll get to play quite a bit with Kyrie. But this is not a situation that uh, is going to work come playoff time. I I just I just don't see the Nets being good enough in their duality to win a championship this way. So I'm resigned to the Nets going down uh, not as a successful super team, but as one of the biggest what-ifs of recent NBA memory. Uh, wow. I think we're going to look so, back on this team. Ooh! I think we're going to look back on this team and wonder, don't laugh, but wonder had Kevin Durant not worn his <laughs> biggest <a> shoe. <laughs> had Kyrie Irving and James Harden not both got hurt last year. Or had Kyrie Irving actually prioritized his art over his principles, you know, as he calls it, his art as he calls it. like I am I d I I'm I don't see them winning under these circumstances. Now, as we discussed throughout this show, Michael, wow. as the facts right. change, so as, will my opinion. Yeah, so if he gets the that, shot. That's right. If that's he gets right, no, but right. I mean but I, but seriously, I was excited if he right, gets the shot right. Yeah, then obviously, you know, all bets are off and things and, and that changes yeah. everything. But if he's as dug in and rooted as he said he was last night. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this isn't going to work. So I guess, you know, shame on me for thinking or underestimating Kyrie Irving's conviction. I should have known better.
4: Yeah, look, look. Um, the way you started is exactly the way I thought about it when I heard it last night. I believed Kyrie. I took Kyrie at his word. I kept saying it. I'm going back to Kyrie because I actually listen and like like you do and all jokes aside. Look, we can't get we can't get too far away from the way we were raised in this business. We were just raised in a different era of sports journalism and whether we mock it and and fight it and rebuke it at times. It's just in us and that is taking people listening to what they say and considering and really considering all aspects of what people say they feel and what they represent. We, we have to take it seriously. And I know you do and I do as well, even though we give each other a hard time. So I, I listened to his IG live a couple of months back and he said, I'm not pro-vaccine. I'm not anti-vaccine. Is it okay if I have a lot of questions? If I have some questions, that's what he said. I said, all right, brothers got questions about the vaccine. I don't happen to have the questions that he does, but give him time, give him space to figure out the questions. But that wasn't it. That wasn't it. That wasn't the story. The story is he doesn't want to say it this way because he hates to be put in a box. He hates to be categorized because he's an artist. Don't put me in a set. I'm R&B and hip hop and folk and hard rock and alternative. I'm all of that. Don't put me I, I'm classics. I, I, I know I, I, I'm, I you know, you can play me at the Philharmonic. I'm everything. Okay, you don't want to be classified, but let me classify you. You're an anti-vaxxer. You're anti vax and maybe you're not an anti-vaxxer and it's not the picture that you look like, but you're against the vaccine and that's all you had to say. That's all you had to say is I'm not going to get the vaccine. I am not asking questions. I'm not pondering. I'm not weighing information. I'm not going to get it. So leave me alone.
3: Right, just, nip so th- yeah, that, just nip it in the bud. So that nip in the bud. So
4: that really yeah. is his position and that's his Don't position. Leave any room for I'm interpretation.
3: not
4: here. Yeah. I ain't trying to talk you out of it. I, yeah. I really have come to this point and I'm sticking with this. I'm not trying to talk anybody out of it. I yeah, was to my mom early... yeah, yeah, I was talking to my mom earlier today. <laughs> uh, you know, wishing her a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mom. Uh, happy I, birthday. You know, we're having a conversation with my uh, having a conversation with my mother who is vaccinated and we we're talking about some folks in our family who aren't yeah. and she just said it matter of factly and we just kept having our conversation. And that's the way I feel about it. Now. I'm not trying to tell you I'm not trying to lecture you. This is no Ted talk. I'm not giving it to you for free. It's, whatever you what, want. What
3: else can be said at this point? I mean, it's, no, there's nothing else. It, yeah, there's nothing else. It's, it's
4: and then, Kyrie Mike, the last thing I'll say before yeah. you know, pass it off to you is that Kyrie represents Kyrie represents one faction of America and we represent another faction of America and we're trying to sometimes we're trying to understand one another. Most of the time we're not and we're just saying, well, we got to keep on pushing knowing that the other person that we don't agree with, the other faction that we don't agree with, is yeah. continuing to push along too, and we'll see what happens. That's a, that's that's where we are in, in, in the United States. That's not where we are in the world, because as we've discussed, some other countries in the world are all in on being vaccinated.
3: Yeah, even at the some expense of argument. Even at the expense of to be the greatest tennis player in history. Right. <laughs> you will not be winning another and, Australian open here, sir. Or a French for that matter. Some, right, right. That's another right. story.
4: And some <laughs> and some countries, some countries are not anti-vaccine. They do not yeah. have, remarkably, they don't have access to it still, like we do. Yeah. But in the United States, this Kyrie versus the reporter. A lot of us are the reporter. A lot of us are Kyrie. Yeah. And uh, so never, never shall
3: the two meet. We said a long time ago that we were going to retire Kyrie Irving unvaccinated conversations from this show, but we made an exception in this instance. Well, since we said that he's come back on a part-time basis. Uh, and last night, I think was the most um, um, the most he's spoken on it. The clearest he's spoken on it. But at the time we yep. have left in this conversation. I want to change the subject, but ever so slightly. Yeah, Because the real story last night, and I know this is going to speak to your spirit, it's going to speak to your soul, it's going to speak to that little boy from Akron, Ohio, from St. Vincent St. Mary's, that laid the foundation for LeBron James at St. Vincent St. Mary's. Um, That's right. The story last night. The story. The story last night was not Kyrie Irving and his and his stance that he says he's rooted in. It's not Kyrie Irving bringing voice to the voiceless, as he says. Story last night was the Cleveland Cavaliers once again announcing their presence with authority. That's five straight wins and five and one on a six game road trip. I believe they're a game and a half out of first place in the Eastern Conference. Okay. Um, At one point, it just looked like the All-Star game was just going to be in Cleveland. Now they may end up with two All-Stars between um, Allen and Garland potentially. And I think it was it was nothing less than poetic and fitting that Kyrie Irving comes to town last night, and Darius Garland once again shows his own star power that he's ready to take that, that the changing of the guard, if you will, that he's ready to take the reins in Cleveland. This is a team that's dealt with its own and, I, and and don't don't talk about oh they didn't have Kevin Durant last night. It's still like Kyrie Irving. It's still like James Harden. This is a team that's dealt with COVID season-ending injuries uh, of its own. Um and yet Ricky yeah, Rick, I think Ricky that, Rubio out Sexton. Yep, right. I They've think I think they have the best injuries. defense in the Eastern Conference. If I'm not mistaken, I think they have the best defense in the Eastern Conference. They got a, a rookie of the year leading contender in Mobley. This is uh, we talked about this with Memphis. I think the same applies with Cleveland at a certain point. They're not a cute story. They got the most they got the most wins in Eastern Conference tied for they're not a cute story. Uh, you know, I know they're young. I know they're improving on a playoff stage but what they're doing has to count for something contender. I don't feel as comfortable putting them in that category as I did Memphis in the Western Conference, given what Memphis did last year. But even if Cleveland's not ready yet, they will be soon.
4: They've gotten themselves to this category. I and look, I put contender in the feed because it, it sounds good and you know, that's home team. Give them some love. I don't think they're an Eastern Conference contender as in they can win the conference. Watch out but they have gotten themselves to the tough out category. Imagine at the beginning of the season. I don't know if the Cavaliers saw themselves this way when the 2021 22 season started that we'll get into the playoffs and we'll be a tough out for somebody. I certainly didn't and I know you didn't. Yeah, Jared Allen uh, right there has been great has been great for them. Mobley has been great. Uh, Kevin love Remember, they were ready to just get him out of there, weren't it? Yeah, yeah, you know, Kevin, uh, Kevin love last year. Like, oh, he's not even into the game. Can you trade that contract? Will anybody take that contract? He has adapted. They've given um, Bickerstaff. He's already got a contract extension. I mean, they're feeling good about what they have in Cleveland and rightfully so. Uh, I think all they're missing is well two 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 things one of them you can get just from by living that's experience but they probably need a three they probably need a, a just a, a, a reliable three a wing another wing guy in the Eastern Conference who can do some damage every now and then um, mm. maybe like a grown up let, let, let's call him let's create them right now a grown up Slightly more talented, Jay Crowder type. I know they had Jay Crowder once upon a time, but a, a Jay Crowder type in Cleveland, mm. just like a glue guy who can who can do some damage. Yeah, I'm impressed with them. I'm impressed with them. They they so are not I, a I, I right, they're beyond so slightly, a cute story.
3: The, the Heat have one more win uh, in the Eastern Conference yeah. uh, as of now. they have 27 to 20, 28 to 27. Excuse me, but I mean, you know, they've beaten the Bucks. Uh, they've beaten the Jazz. You know, I mean, they're legit and and I think they're going to they're going to be one of those interesting teams to watch at the trade deadline. So it's like, you know, I want to kill two birds with those one stone. It's like, I think we could just kind of close the book on Kyrie Irving. There's questions about James Harden and whether or not he's content and his long-term future in Brooklyn. Michael, it was fun while it lasted Our little bit, you know, rooting you rooting against the Nets me rooting for the Nets, Kevin Durant, all that kind of stuff. I, I just I don't see them winning under these circumstances. I've when been... Kyrie Irving came back, I thought it was like, okay, this is the first step toward it coming back full time. If that's not what this is going to be. Well, we got to look elsewhere in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, Milwaukee's there and I think we got to start having putting Cleveland even if it's on the fringes, on even if little, it's on the on, fringes little. in the conversation in the Eastern Conference, you get the last where we got company right. standing by. What's up? All right, all right, two, two quick things Two real quick, real quick. Number one, um, I would love for my guy Terry
4: Pluto who's written like 100 books it really is, like 3035 books. I would love for him to get the insight from the Cleveland front office. If they really wanted Mobley or were they trying to get up? Were they trying to get green? Were they trying to trade up and get Cunningham? That's one of the That's one thing I want to know. The other thing is what we witness here is a miracle and I want you to acknowledge <laughs> it. Michael Smith. What you have done is said publicly. You don't think the Brooklyn Nets are going to win a championship in this era? You have already—you didn't just give up on this conversation. You've given up on this team. Under these
3: circumstances, amazing. Under these circumstances, what a part-time what an amazing
4: development.
3: An injury to Kevin Durant. We'll see how long that lasts. I don't know where James Harden's head is. You know, if or his heart is, does he have a wandering eye? You know, is he is he look? You know, when they're all together. I, you know, I'm all in, but that's been what 16 times in the last two years. What? I mean, this is it's, it's I'm proud of you, man.
4: In ring, proud I'm proud, proud of you. In, yeah. All right. Listen, yeah, you I, come lot. You come
3: a long way. No, I know it's not that I come on. It's not that I've come a long way. It's that Kyrie hasn't moved as he told us last night. <laughs> meanwhile, I, meanwhile, I will pay attention to the Clippers. Oh, excuse me to the uh, the Cavaliers. If you want to watch some great golf this weekend, Uh, be sure to check out the HGV Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions uh, to be televised live on Thursday and Friday on the Golf Channel, Saturday and Sunday on NBC, and it's coming to you from Lake Nona Golf and Country Club in Orlando, Florida. And kind enough to join us is another one of the participants from that prestigious star-studded event, the one and only Marcus Allen and their distinguished (laughs) <laughs> guest and then there's Marcus Allen who remains the That's only right. Heisman winner national champion winner Super Bowl winner Super Bowl MVP winner and NFL MVP. The only person to check all those boxes not to mention rookie of the year in 1982 and a 2003 inductee into the pro football Hall of Fame. So they are resumes and then there's this man's resume. Nobody else matches it. Uh, Marcus is good to see you and would love to hone in on one of your many honors and that is NFL MVP 1985. I believe the year was um, yes. we have discussed quite a bit on this show and I'm sure you've heard it conversations about what's wrong with MVP voting and not just because some voters make it personal shocker, but how it's become <laughs> a quarterback award almost exclusively rare is the running back like yourself that's able to break through and win MVP. How if at all would you change the MVP process in the NFL?
5: Well, Mike, I I kind of understand uh, where the game has sort of evolved now with all the throwing. It is uh, (laughs) the running backs aren't getting as many carries with the exception of, you know, Derek Henry, who's been outstanding. Unfortunately, got hurt this year. But obviously, uh, you know, the last uh, couple of years is, I think should have been in the mix. Um, It's kind of hard to argue with the vote, uh, I guess the guys who, you know, select the MVP because, you know, it's a throwing league now and obviously quarterbacks and and wide receivers are more apt to win those awards uh, or that kind of award than uh, anybody else at this point.
4: You know, you, you talk about and the I throwing agree league. With
5: that because, you know, I'm a running back guy, so I mean, I love running backs. <laughs> you know, get touches and uh, whether it's running the ball or receiving the ball and stuff. But, you know, uh, it is kind of, you know, it makes it difficult today because of the game and the evolution of the game and, and the amount of throwing. Remember, I came in the league, Mike, they threw it well. Before I came in the league, they threw it an average of 15 times a game. So they ran the ball a lot. And when I got there, it was around 25, maybe 30 max. Now they throw it almost 50 times a game. So, you know, the likelihood of quarterbacks winning the, uh, the award is, uh, is, is pretty high.
4: And, and I was going to ask you about that, just, just the way you've approached it. And Mike gave your resume and all those impressive numbers. So if, if, you, were, if you were starting now, would you still say, I, I'm a running back and I'll evolve to the way the game is being played right now? Or would you say, wait a minute, uh, the way they're devaluing running backs, maybe I, I, I'd pursue a different position. This, How would you approach it if you are, you know, 18, 19 years old and thinking about a career in professional football?
5: Well, I, I think if you're a versatile back, you know, like uh, myself, maybe Marshall Falk or somebody like that, I mean, we, we you know, we still play the our game today because we were you know they didn't take us out on third down you know we played obviously you know sometimes we were featured running uh, you know option routes you know you didn't have to take us out the game so it depends on your skill set you know we we were lucky enough to be you know multi-faceted players and uh, that never had to leave the field so if you're a player that you know that is that can do everything you know you can still play and uh, and play very well and do well in this, uh, this game and this era today.
4: You know, it's so So, funny, Marcus, uh, when you watch some of these. Sorry, sorry, Mike, this is just real quick. Uh, I was going to say it's funny when you look at these guys who are throwing, as you said, you know, sometimes 40, 45 times a game and it's fun to watch and all the fans enjoy it, but sometimes you get to the red zone, you get to the five (laughs) and you see these teams like, they're in a the shotgun. You, why are you in a the shotgun? They go spread
3: from and, the one. From
4: the one and can't and can't get it in. What was your approach? Why they can't because jump over the, the top uh, like you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're one of the best goal line backs in history. What was your approach? Was it a mentality or was it a, a technical skill that you had and said, "Look, I, I know what's going to happen here. I know the linebacker's going to jump." What was your approach? When you got down there near the uh, one yard line.
5: Well, first of all, when I played, there was only two defenses, right? There's a six-two and a five-three, and a right? So knowing what you're faced with, in addition to knowing what everybody's doing on, you know, your side of the ball, the line of scrimmage certainly helps, right? Now, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm just completely, you know, bewildered of, of why you know, it's they get down near the goal line and they're in this spread offense and they're always outnumbered. There's always one unblocked man because they don't have a fullback guys. And they continue to run plays into a disadvantage. And it's obvious, obvious for everybody to see, but except for the coaching staff. I mean, I I just don't get it. I mean, in this day and age, you can and should have at least a short yardage package where there is either fullback or an extra lineman you can bring at a fullback position, or a tight end that could possibly play that position. Uh, but they still run spreads, and they're un—you know—they're—they're they're, they're And i, I just—it it bewilders me. I don't—I don't understand it.
3: So we know we are not confused about your allegiance uh, with the remaining playoff teams. We know who you're pulling for. We know you're rooting—you're uh, pulling for the Chiefs uh, in these playoffs. So we don't have to talk about the state of the Chiefs. They're in pretty good shape. Before we get you out of here, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the state of the Raiders and, for that matter, your USC Trojans. Starting with the Raiders, just dismissed their general manager. Uh, Rich Passaccia has got the vote of the players, but he seems to be in limbo, if not on the way out. What would you like to see Mark Davis do with that organization in terms of bringing in new leadership, especially after not only the Gruden fiasco, but the way they finished the season to make the playoffs?
5: Well, I mean, I still think that they are a uh, young Team, I think they're 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 still on the rise, and of course you have to build the team through the draft, and you can't afford to miss. You really can't. I mean, if your first round draft choice, uh, you know, from the first year you select a team doesn't really pan out, I mean that is supposed to be the nucleus of your team. So you need to make great selections, and you need to make uh, mid picks that will obviously complement the players that you uh, are really dependent on, and. So you can't really, you, you know, as far as the general managers are concerned, I mean, you really have to know football. You really have to know players. You really have to understand, uh, you know, how to uh, identify uh, great players when others don't. I mean, so it, it's a skill. And and then bringing all those pieces together and making them work and stuff, I still think, you know, uh, as Al would say, I think the future, you know, is still really bright with the Raiders. And I still Think they have uh, some valuable pieces, but they need a few more to make that team—the um, team that I think uh, can go to the Super Bowl.
4: Let's talk about the Super Bowl of college football. Uh, we go back and forth, and I, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, Marcus, so I'm partial to the Big Ten. But goodness, the SEC just keeps locking it down these uh, national championship games. This year it was Georgia. Last year it was Alabama. Uh, What will it take for USC to kind of break up that party and and return the Trojans to glory?
5: Hey, guys, this this is a very simple formula. It's a very simple (laughs) formula, guys, right? Every other, you know, team and every, you know, conference in the country is playing fast-paced football, The one thing that travels, guys, is physicality. And if you don't understand that, no no, no one will win except for the SEC. They are physical, all right? And no matter, you know, how many wrinkles they throw on a game, the essence and the nucleus of the team is physicality. And when other teams don't understand that and they want to be finesse and fast break, they have no shot. So we're always going to be watching the SEC and championship games. You know, and I had a conversation with, uh, you know, Coach Lincoln Riley, and that's one of the things that I mentioned to him. I said physicality travels. You know, when we played uh, at USC, that was our one mandate, that we were going to be the most physical team in the country. And uh, we have to get back to that. Otherwise, you have no shot. You can play fast-break football all you want, but when you play a physical team, they're going to dominate you. And the SEC will hey, Hey, Michael, you peep how Marcus's voice got
3: physical. We were talking about the Raiders and the Chiefs, and you were mad cool. You started talking about USC. You were like, you know what? You're a Trojan through. through." Let's go. (laughs) Always
4: a Trojan. You ready?
5: Physicality travels, man. It'll go to every (laughs) conference, dude. You know, and that's what happens. Physically stand up to your opponent. You ready to play in
4: the Rose Bowl right now?
5: (laughs) You ready to play in the Rose Bowl (laughs) right right now? Guys, this is what I always say about the running game, right? A guy can, you can throw the ball, and a DB can be like, you know, have tight coverage, and the receiver can still catch the ball, and you can say, hey, coach, you know what? I made a mistake. You know, I didn't locate the ball. I put the wrong arm up. You can make make excuses. But when a guy's kicking your butt at the line of scrimmage, that's ownership. That's ownership. Word. That's gospel. (laughs) Marcus Allen, appreciate you, man.
4: Thank you so much. Marcus Allen, thank you so much.
5: Thanks for having me, guys. Take care.
4: Anytime. Anytime.
3: Our family just got bigger. Welcome to the world, Mac J. Newman. Eight pounds, one ounce. One ounce. Born on Monday, born on MLK Day. How about that? Congratulations, Brandon and Michelle. Mac, that's a great name right there. That is a great name. Muhammad
4: Ali's birthday, too. How about that?